Let me ask you a question. When it comes to your life right now, are you a person who wants to wait on things? Or are you a person who wants to uh, get things like right away instantly? Tell the person to your left or to your right. Go ahead and answer that question. Okay, you got it? Everybody's got it, right? Here's what I've noticed about you guys' generation, okay? Here's what I've noticed about your generation. And maybe you'll tell me I'm wrong afterwards and I'm completely fine if you tell me that. But I'm pretty sure you guys are instant gratifiers, right? Like you want what it is right away. Go ahead to that next slide for me, okay? Philip, right there. Instant gratification. It's the urge to satisfy a craving without considering its long-term effects are the bigger picture, right? Now let's be honest for a second, right? Like... All of us deal with this in different ways in our lives. All of us are dealing with this in a different way right now. Like, and if I was to look at you and say, hey, I can give you five bucks today or 20 bucks in a week from now, which one would you take? Did you hear that? A lot of different answers right there, right? A lot of just different, okay? Now, I'm a sucker sometimes for, uh, for reels that happen on Instagram and things like that. And I found one the other day and I, and I saw it and it made me laugh. And I wanted to show it to you guys. So go ahead, throw that one up for me. Have $10,000 cash or, wait a minute, this two out of the box Oreo cookies. Huh? Are you sure? That's $10,000 cash. You want the Oreo cookies? Are you sure? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so what you can't see right now um, is there's, there's literally $10,000 cash sitting in front of that kid right now. And, and, and what does he choose? Oreos. Now, now, for some of you guys, listen, that's the middle school boys section right here, okay? The sixth grade guys, they're like, yeah, I'll take, I'll take two Oreos over $10,000 cash. Right? <laughs> I'm kidding. But, like, for some of us in the room, here's the thing. Here's what I'm afraid of, guys. I'm so afraid for your generation that you're willing to sacrifice the long-term gain of something so much worth, so much more for the temporary status or the temporary delight that you find in the immediate future. Now listen, here, here's what I'm worried about. If I really dive into this, if I really get into this a little bit more, okay, I'm worried that you're sacrificing your, your Christianity, your walk with Jesus for the temporary pleasures of what this life holds right now. I'm worried that you guys, you, 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 sometimes you're not seeing the greater picture. Sometimes I'm worried that you're chasing clout more than you're chasing Jesus. I'm worried that you're chasing after the things of this world so much more than you could ever think about following Jesus because you care so much more about what other people's opinions are. And here's a question I have for you as we start to jump into this tonight. It's going to be a little bit heavier than normal. I'm going to step on your toes a little bit, and I'm sorry for that, but I think it's important that we actually think about these things. Have you noticed that it's not necessarily easy to be a Christian in today's world? Think about it. Have you noticed that? Like for my leaders in the room, have you noticed that for our students? It's not an easy thing for our students to be a Christian in this world, right? Like, like they're labeled weird. They're labeled like, why would you be a religious nut? Why would you follow those rules? It's hard, right? And I get that for you guys. But then I started to think about this a little bit more. I started to think about what did Jesus say? Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter number 6. 
Starting in verse 22, he says this. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. You see that? Because of the Son of Man, because they believe in what Jesus had to say. Jesus is talking specifically about them being thrown out of the tabernacle, thrown out of their worship space. But hold on, hold on. He keeps going. He says this. He says this in verse 23. He says, rejoice in that day. Leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. This is a heavy passage, right? This is one of those things that like really like you're like, hey, can we get to the nice, easy part, right? Jesus keeps going. In verse 26, he says this, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. For that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. I want you to think about something for a second. Think about your schools. Think about if you're not in school. Think about like your teams or whatever it is you do where you're around people. How do people talk about you? Now, if you're ever around unbelievers for a little while, you'll notice. Um, so, so I enjoy playing disc golf, right? I'm not very good. I used to be okay, but I, I don't play enough to be good anymore. And I would be a part of leagues, and I would play with guys who I didn't know. And we'd go through a whole round. And, man, I do my best not to tell people I'm a pastor when I do things like this because they, they treat me a different way. And so we'll go through a whole round of disc golf, man, and, and people will say whatever it is they want to say, right? And there's oftentimes, like, there's, there's a good amount of cussing that goes around, around me. And listen, I'm not judging them. I, I, I know that Jesus hasn't impacted their heart the way he's impacted my heart yet. I used to be that same guy. I used to cuss and, and think and do bad things too, but, but Jesus changed me, right? And, and all of a sudden, when they find out I'm a pastor, guess what they do? I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to say that. You know, I, I've been thinking I should go to church every once in a while, right? That's what happens with me oftentimes when people find out that I'm a pastor. But it's really interesting to me, though, that, that, that when I think about back being in high school again, and I think about Mike then, and I think about where you guys are now, if you live your life for Jesus out loud, people label you, Right? They label you as the weird Christian person. They label you as somebody who is just different, right? But let me ask you a question. Is being different a bad thing? Well, let me give you this. I'm a guy who enjoys sports, right? And I, I, I love the NFL, all right? Best team in the league. Who's got it? <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> right here, though. I love them. I love the Panthers. Best team in the league. The Chiefs? Not the Vikings. I promise it's not the Vikings, okay? The Dolphins, maybe, maybe, okay? So we'll do a big Super Bowl party this year. You guys should all come out. It's free food. It's a lot of fun. We watch the game together. You can play basketball, hang out, play volleyball. So during the off season, I often look for um, sports to watch. And, and during the summer, this documentary was released on Netflix called Quarterback. And what they did was they followed three quarterbacks throughout the whole season of last year. One was Patrick Mahomes, one was Marcus Mariota, and the other was the guy you see behind me, Kirk Cousins, right? And Kirk Cousins has been a borderline top 15 quarterback his whole career. He's, he's, he's good, but he's not necessarily the guy you want on your team if you're trying to win it all, right? 
And at, during this season last year, it was really interesting because I, I'm following it. I remember watching the playoffs. I'm a big fantasy football player too. And I can remember watching this and then to see his perspective is a little bit different. You see in the Netflix documentary, they take you behind the scenes. You get to see Kirk at his house. And, and what you find out quickly about Kirk is that he's a Christian. And, and like he's not just like a Christian. Like, no, no, no. Like he believes in Jesus. He has a relationship with Jesus. And so Kirk gets to the playoffs last year and they're excited to be playing. They're playing the New York Giants, right? And, and they're hosting them at home. And they end up losing. And this is a, a shot from that one, right? And they end up losing. And in the press conference that happens afterwards, man, they're just dogging them. They're just like, yo, Kirk, you've been to the playoffs how many times? And how many games have you won? And like, dude, he's feeling like this small, right? He's got to be feeling just absolutely just terrible. And he gets in his car and he's driving home with his wife. And she's like, that's not how I thought this was going to go. And he's like, me either. Right? And they've got the, the cameras rolling. And, and they get home. And in this moment after he just lost what was the biggest game of his year right there. They, they lost it in his worst moment where everybody's been telling him just how just terrible of a person. Like, well, not a person, but a bad quarterback he was and how terrible it was. Just, just he's not good enough, right? He sits down next to his son to put him to bed. And you know what he does? He tells his son just how proud of him he is. But not only that. He prays with his son. And after that, he does something that's absolutely crazy. And it's so cool. This is on Netflix. I guess they pray every night. But not only do they pray, they sing a song. And Kirk, at this moment, starts singing this song that is one that I don't know how many of you students will know, but the leaders in the room, you'll, you'll know this one. It's an old hymn, and it goes something like this. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And he's singing this song to his son to, to put him to sleep, but he's also singing this song to help him remember that, that everything else in his life, this quarterbacking and everything else in his life doesn't matter. His faith is grounded in being a Christ follower. And in the moment where he feels like this small, he's saying, it doesn't matter what they're saying. It matters what Jesus says about me. You see, you're called to be different, guys. We're called to be different. We're called to not listen to what the world has to say. We're called to go against the culture. And when Kirk should have been feeling absolutely terrible about himself, God said something. He's worth so much more. God said, you're my child. You're valuable. You're so valuable that I, I give my whole, my only son for you. It's really interesting to me, though. Here's the thing. For you guys right now where you're at in life, you're teenagers, right? Some of you guys aren't even quite there yet. You're preteens. You wonder, what can you do? What can you do? So tonight what I want to do is I want to share a story with you guys. I want to share a story that if you've been in church, you've heard this story a hundred times. If you haven't been in church, you might have heard it, you might not have, but it's a story of a bunch of teenagers. A bunch of teenagers not listening and doing what they thought was right and how they changed an entire kingdom because of this. In Daniel chapter number three, here's what we see. King Nebuchadnezzar, he decides like all other great kings that he deserves to have a 
golden statue of himself there in his kingdom. And so they have this built for him, and it's, it's absolutely gorgeous, and this is an actual picture from it. Maybe not, but it's, it's a picture of, of what we think it might have looked like. He has this golden statue built, and he, he throws this decree, this law out across the land, and it says simply this. It says, when you hear the trumpets, when you hear the music, you are to bow down to this. Now, see, the problem is, is that all the people in the kingdom weren't necessarily from there. You see, there were some slaves who had been brought in, who had been captive from Israel, and we see these three guys who we're going to talk about tonight, these three teenagers were told that they've got to do this. And if they don't do it, then they're going to be in trouble with the king. Now, let me ask you a question. If you knew you were going to be in trouble for not doing something that the king told you you had to do, but it violated what God told you to do, would you do it anyways? I don't know. Picking up in verse number 12, it says this. It says... There are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you put in charge of the providence of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods, and they do not worship the gold statue that you set up. You see, these guys, they're being ratted out at this moment. These guys, they, they, they've not done what everybody else did. They stood out. They said, hey, we're not going to fall. We're not going to worship what you tell us to do. So we're going to do something a little bit different. We're not going to fall down. And this was this moment where this king who prided himself on his image, his image is now in question because all of a sudden there's these three teenagers who are a part of his leadership council who aren't listening to him, who aren't following his laws. And he's got some people who are whispering in his ear, yo, they don't respect you. Yo, king, they, 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 they don't care what you have to say. And so what does he do next? Daniel tells us Nebuchadnezzar flies into a huge rage. And then he orders Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought before him. <laughs> and, man, I knew, I, I can just imagine at this moment, like, they're, they're probably pretty scared. And when they show up, uh, they know what's coming, right? So Nebuchadnezzar, he asks him the question. He says, hey, is it true that you won't bow down and worship the gold statue that I set up? He then tells them, he says, hey, I'm going to give you one more chance. One more chance to, to accept the rule that I've put into motion for this land to worship the statue or else. Now, see, these guys, they, they had a reason why they weren't worshiping the statue. Do you guys know what that reason was? Well, if you think back to the Ten Commandments, there was this commandment to not worship false idols. Right? There was this commandment for them to, to not put anything, to bow down before anything. And so they've got a choice to make in this moment. What are we going to do? Verse 15, King Nebuchadnezzar says this. If you refuse, you will immediately or you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Now, just for a minute, like we said, most of you guys are teenagers in the room. 
What would you do in this situation? Think about it just for a second. Put yourself in the shoes of these teenagers. You're before the king. Now you've got nowhere to hide. Maybe, just maybe, you could act like you didn't hear it the first time. But now you're in front of the king and the king is giving you these rules. And he's saying, listen, if you don't listen to me, you're going to die. What would you do? I want you to think about it in a different way right now. Here's what I'm afraid of. We're not bowing to a giant golden statue that the king has set up in front of us. Right now, I'm afraid that your generation is bowing to a glowing device that we continually choose over and over again. We're bowing to what our friends have to say about us. We're bowing to potentially the the, the sports that can take us so much further than we ever imagined. We're bowing to Whatever somebody has to say about us, we just want to do whatever it takes to fit in. But what if these guys came with that same mindset? You see, we weren't put on this earth to blend in. You're put on this earth to to stand out. You're called to stand out, and it's really cool. In John chapter 17, this is completely different than where we're at tonight, but in John chapter 17, we see Jesus is praying for his disciples. But not only is he just praying for his disciples, he actually starts praying for all future believers. And he starts to pray. He gives this just unbelievable prayer. He says this. He says, I'm not asking you to take the believers out of this world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. He says, hey, listen, like I'm praying over their hearts. I'm praying over their spirits that they will follow after you. They will follow after you, God. He says, sanctify them, purify them, make them holy, make them chase after me. It's such a just unique passage of Scripture. If you get time tonight, Go home, read this. John chapter 17, I promise you, you'll be encouraged because if you're a believer in the room, you get to see Jesus specifically praying for you. And he's praying that you don't blend into this world, that you don't give in to this world. Now back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As soon as the king said this to the guys in verse 15, They respond in a way that showed that they really trusted God with everything. Verse 16 says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to protect us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue that you set up. Now, once again, just for a minute, can you imagine being in this room? Can you imagine being the teenager saying this to the king who has all the power on the earth at this moment? These teenagers, they were rebelling in front of the king. They knew their lives were at stake, but they understood something different. You see, they loved a God who was more than able. They were all in on God, and nothing the king could offer to offer them or threaten them with could change their minds. They had an eternal mindset. 
They didn't think about the temporary like the king of this earth wants us to do. You see, here's the thing. Here's what I'm really, really worried about. And I started off by talking about instant gratification. Here's what I think. I, I think Satan wants to trip you up by making you desire the temporary things of life that you think you have to have right now that will trip you up further down the road in life more than anything else. I think Satan wants you to have a temporary mindset more than anything else, guys. I think Satan wants you just to focus on the right now, this instant gratification. Right, Levi? That's what he wants. He wants you to trip up. He wants you to, to only think about what you can get out of this right here, right now. But you know what God wants? God wants you to understand that, that this life, while it's very important, it's not the end of everything. There's an eternal life that we're going to spend with him, that we're going to celebrate worshiping him. And the things we do on this earth is it's not these temporary things that matter. It's the eternal things that matter. And I'm not the best guy to tell you guys about this. I, I want to show you a clip of one of my favorite pastors. And check out the screens behind me. Imagine this rope, okay, pretend this rope just goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. And you're consumed with that. And you're thinking, oh man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about all this stuff? It's just, it's crazy to me because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can? Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face Him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this, and then comes eternity. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid because it's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I look at the way people live and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going to do that right now, just to enjoy right now, not even knowing if you have tomorrow and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb. it's so easy for us to focus on the small part of where we're at right now. And I think it's so easy for us to just get stuck in the day in and day out decisions of, of 
who says what about me or who likes me right now or who liked my photo or who didn't like my photo and what does somebody else say and how many baskets did I score today? It's so easy for us to get focused on this, this, this timeline right now of everything that's in front of us and not focus on the bigger picture. And I think it would have been just as easy for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to bow down and worship the statue too if they were living in that mindset. But they weren't. They were living in a different mindset. They were living in, in, in not the red part of the rope. They were living in the white part of the rope. And their response to the king clearly shows us that, hey, these guys are different. They said, even if not, we'll never fall down and worship you, O king. You know what happens next? In case you haven't been around church, here's what happens next. The king orders the fire to get even hotter. They throw more and more wood on it. And it says that they, 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 they rope them up and they go to take them and throw them into the fire. And they throw them into the fire. And the people who throw them into the fire, they die. And they say these three guys start, they get up and they start walking around in the fire. And they say that the king's there and he's looking on and sees what's happening. And he says, how many guys did we throw into that fire? They say, three, king. He says, guys, I see a fourth in there. And the fourth looks like the son of God. It's the craziest thing, right? It's this crazy story. And you're like, this has to be made up, but it's not. It's, it's written over and over again and you see it. In many different places. And the king calls them to come out. They don't smell like smoke. And in verse 28, their mindset has such an impact on the king. Listen to what happens. It says this. Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than worship or serve or worship any God except their own. There is no other God who can rescue like this. These guys' faith, these teenagers' faith, ends up changing King Nebuchadnezzar's mind. It changes his law about worshiping a statue. Now he says, no, 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 no. We're going to worship their God. And they're promoted to all the overseers of the whole land. You see... I think if they were here with us today, I think they would give us one bit of advice. I think they would tell you from teenager to teenager, they would say something like this. You're called to be different. Guys, you're not called to blend in with everybody else at your school, everybody else on your ball team. You're not called just to, to fit in. No, you're called to stand out. You're called to be a light, to be brighter than anything else. They would tell you, take a stand for Jesus in the hard times because he's standing with you. He's right there with you in the fire. We sing about this. We hear stories about this, but oftentimes we forget it. And guys, I'm 100% sure God doesn't want you just to blend in. God doesn't want you just to go through this life finding every temporary high that you can get. No, God wants you to be thinking eternally. He wants you to be thinking, how can I make a difference on this world while I'm on it? How can I bring as many people to heaven with me? How can I point people to know the love that Jesus gives? You see, I know this because Jesus tells us we're light. 
You're called to be a light. And guys, this world's getting darker. It really is. The teenagers around you, they need you to step up and be who you're called to be. They need you not to focus on that red part of the rope. They need you to focus on the white part. And so tonight, my challenge to you is be different. Don't just be like everybody else. Stand out. Stand up for Jesus and know that he's there with you. Hey, let's pray tonight. And then you're going to go to your groups and you're going to talk this thing out a little bit more. Father God, I thank you for this night. I thank you so much, Lord, for this, this passage of Scripture that, God, we can see teenagers making an immediate impact in their world. And, God, I know right now that we have students in this room, Lord, who you've called to make a difference. And, God, they need to be shining their lights brighter in their schools. God, they need to be doing something different than their life our life looks like right now. I pray that, Lord, you'll just get a hold of their minds tonight. God, and you show them, Lord, what does it look like to really follow you, to really surrender everything to you? God, to give you all. Lord, I thank you for that. Be with us as we go to our groups. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys are dismissed. Head to your groups.